Welcome to Up for Debate, a podcast where our expert panel discusses some of the topical, often debated, and sometimes controversial subjects in healthcare and medicine. Through our open discussion, physicians, nurses, and medical professionals sit down to give their honest perspectives and opinions on healthcare topics we hear about or see in our everyday lives in order to provide you with the easy to digest information on some of the more complex issues. This is Up for Debate. Quentin Tarantino's most iconic scene in Pulp Fiction shows John Travolta reviving Uma Thurman from a heroin overdose using a hypodermic needle, injecting adrenaline directly into her heart. To many people, this scene was shocking and very hard to watch. Today, not only can emergency physicians save someone's life when they're overdosing, but the average person, like you or me, can be trained to reverse an overdose by using naloxone, or more commonly known by its brand name, Narcan. However, now with 192 drug overdose deaths per day, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, many people are still debating if reversing an overdose is saving lives or enabling addicts. Joining me today is Dr. Rajiv Prasad, who is board certified in emergency medicine and clinical informatics, and is currently the chairman of emergency medicine at Hackensack Meridian Health Bayshore Medical Center and Steve Jovoszewski, a licensed social worker, licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, certified clinical supervisor, motivational interviewing network trainer who has been working in the field of addiction treatment for the past 14 years, and is currently the director of substance abuse counseling services and the director of the Blake Recovery Center at Hackensack Meridian Health Carrier Clinic. So before we get into this, I have to ask, how realistic is the overdose scene in Pulp Fiction? So it's been quite a while since I saw that movie, but uh, it was a, it was quite the scene and, and quite the movie. So a couple of clarifications in that movie. So uh, uh, and I don't remember all the details, but I think Uma Thurmer thought it was cocaine that she was taking. Uh, but it was um, the John Travolta's character. It was actually heroin. It yeah, was actually yeah. ended up being heroin, a very potent heroin. And uh, definitely uh, heroin overdoses aren't uh, reversed by adrenaline into the heart. But to say the least, uh, as, uh, as a moviegoer, uh, great scene. Uh, but as far as medical accuracy goes, uh, not, uh, not 100%. Yeah, I'd have to agree 100% with the doc. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's Hollywood, you know, and, and to a heart, an adrenaline shot to the heart is definitely more dramatic than a nasal insertion of, of Narcan or, uh, you know, a, a uh, intermuscular uh, shot uh, to bring somebody out of it. So it's definitely, uh, you know, it's a Hollywood-driven thing, but it, it definitely was, uh, you know, not what... I, I've been around, unfortunately, more... ODs, overdoses than I, than I care to mention. And, you know, I've yet to see that be the scene. So to all those at home, please <laughs> don't try Do that. not insert needles into people's hearts. <laughs> Definitely appreciate that clarification. <laughs> and it's amazing how things can be portrayed in Hollywood versus real life. Now, I'm certain that most of our listeners know that a drug overdose is someone using a toxic amount of a drug. It overwhelms the body and causes it to react in a harmful way like causing them to not be able to breathe. But how do you recognize if someone's overdosed? What are the symptoms to look for? Commonly they're unresponsive or they're extremely lethargic if they're heading towards that. Um, you know, you see the breathing start to shallow up. Uh, you also uh, pinpoint pupils would be a big sign of opioid, uh, you know, overdose. 
Um, I'm sure the doctor could even uh, expand on all that, but that's, you know, that's the most common signs and symptoms. And, you know, it's, it's common that you, you give somebody uh, the Narcan at that point, um, especially, you know, you could also look at the history of somebody to tell if it's, if it's something that's really happening at that point. Yeah. So sometimes it's hard to dis- distinguish, you know, if this is a overdose, uh, an illegal substance overdose versus a medical condition. Um, and so the big ones that we see in the emergency department or, you know, that's afflicting, you know, the people in the United States are opioids, okay, opioid overdoses, alcohol overdoses, and probably like stimulant overdoses like cocaine um, and uh, amphetamines, things like that. And each one has its own characteristics. Uh, but as Steve said, you know, opioid overdoses or heroin overdoses, Oxycontin, uh, Percocet, Percodans, those are all in the opioid classes. Uh, they, you know, very similar to what he said, uh, they'd be unresponsive, lethargic, not, you know, responding when you, uh, ask them to talk or speak, uh, shallow breathing, their pupils are really constricted, um, you know, very unresponsive, but that could also be very similar to other medical conditions or other overdoses. Uh, you know, another class of medications, which is very common out there are a class called benzodiazepines. Okay. Things like Ativan and Xanax that people may have heard of. And uh, overdoses from those medications can sim- be very similar to an opioid overdose. Um, but as Steve mentioned, you know, it's the clinical scenario uh, of the patient. You know, if you see needle marks on the, uh, on the patient's skins or syringes at home uh, and you can't get any more history, so that may lead uh, the first responder to say, hey, this is from an opioid or, or you see empty pill bottles which say Percocet on it. You can say, hey, this is an opioid overdose versus just alcohol intoxication or, or, or a Xanax overdose. And time, you know, I just want to add on that time frame is extremely important as well. You know, and, and if you see somebody's, I mean, naloxone's not going to hurt anybody. So sometimes that's usually, even if someone is, you know, maybe they're overdosing on uh, opioids or they're overdosing on something else, often uh, naloxone will be given as a first resort because of the time constraints. It's not going to hurt them, but it may save their life. So it's important. Is there any other different types of symptoms that may happen from the different types of drugs that can cause overdose? Or is it typically the you know, lower respiratory pin, uh, pinpoint, pinpoint pupils? pupils. Is it? Yeah, so you know, the two uh, that I mentioned a little bit earlier are the opioid class, okay? Which includes obviously heroin, and now what we're seeing a little bit more of is fentanyl. Uh, and fentanyl is so much more powerful than heroin. And a lot of times the heroin's cut with fentanyl. So if a person says, hey, I use a certain amount of heroin and they don't realize fentanyl is in that amount, uh, the same amount of what looks like, you know, their usual dose uh, now all of a sudden is so much more powerful. And before they would just get a certain high or a certain feeling. And now their breathing stops and they can die. So the opioids, fentanyl, the prescription drug, uh, uh, prescription drugs, uh, for pain control um, are all sedatives and they'll cause respiratory, respiratory dis- depression or them to stop breathing. And that's how patients or, or people die. Um, and the other one is things like the sedatives. Okay, The sedatives can be alcohol and uh, benzodiazepines are very two common ones. Um, and they too can cause people not to talk or, or become unresponsive or sleepy or slow down their breathing and the combination is it could be very deadly i'm really glad you brought up fentanyl too because in 2016 according to the cdc 
They said that fentanyl and other synthetic opioids surpassed pure heroin and prescription opioid use to become the drug category most linked to overdose deaths. And with that change, they also noted a 30% rise in emergency department visits for opioid overdose across the U.S. from 2016 to 2017. Have you noticed these changes and does this change help or hinder your treatment of an overdose? Well, we, we, can, we definitely see a major increase. I mean, we know that there were over 3,000 overdose deaths in New Jersey last year alone. That's up from the year before by 27, uh, you know, 2,700 uh, roughly, uh, give or take. But, uh, you know, it's, it's going up and it's, it's uh, you know, it's a, it's a terrible uh, epidemic that we're in right now. And, and fentanyl is a driving factor. It's a huge driving factor. Um, and it's not that, you know, when the drug dealers are out there, you know, cutting their drugs and putting fentanyl in it, they're not trying to, they know fentanyl, fentanyl is more powerful. So what somebody, an, an opioid addict, the mindset, the psychology behind that is if it gets me that high, I want to keep using it. It must be the greatest heroin I've ever used. So they just want to go out and, and, and it also, you know, brings people back to that dealer. So they're, they're trying to make the most powerful stuff they can find. They found that fentanyl does that for them. Um, they also found another uh, type of fentanyl called carfentanyl, which is even more powerful than that. Um, and the, the tricky thing about this is, you know, we look at the range, the time period that uh, naloxone is actually good for. Like, so you inject somebody with nar uh, Narcan or naloxone, um, you got about 30 to 90 minutes of action of that medication. Um, sometimes the drugs are still in their system. So we've actually seen a boomerang effect on some people we've had there's people that have overdosed got uh brought back or revived with narcan and then left and then they uh they end up overdosing again but they didn't even use anything else it just came back so the fentanyl uh, the fentanyl was still there still present and the narcan wore off we've also seen resistant uh, forms uh, of fentanyl where you can give somebody, you know, multiple doses of Narcan and it, it may take three, four, five doses to bring them out of it. I don't know if the doctor has that same experience. Yeah, so two good points here. Uh, one is the rise in fentanyl over the years. Uh, and we've definitely seen that. So you know, the usual progression for a lot of these uh, patients are, you know, prescription medications uh, for an acute illness or injury. All right. I had a toothache. I broke an arm. Uh, you know, the the physician gives them a round of Percocet. Uh, pain is still there, continued using, you know, another prescription. Uh, and then the physician says, you know, that's it. You know, you've gotten two prescriptions. Now the patient, you know, really enjoyed that feeling on the prescribed medication. And then we'll start looking for alternative sources. They may go to another doctor, to another doctor. And then, as Steve mentioned, maybe to a dealer. Who knows what's being mixed, maybe to another dealer. Uh, and, uh, and fentanyl has definitely increased uh, over the years. Uh, fentanyl is much more stronger, um, and, uh, and people die because of the same quantity. Uh, fentanyl will cause more of a respiratory depression, will stop your breathing, and uh, unfortunately, uh, if there's no first responder or you can't get to a, an ER or, or a physician to give you Narcan, um, yeah, unfortunately, you may die. Now, with the Narcan part of it, uh, Narcan reverses the effects of the opioid. Um, so uh, it needs to be given as soon as possible. Uh, as Dean mentioned, there's almost no downside to giving Narcan. Uh, it's uh, readily available. Uh, it's over the counter now uh, at pharmacies in New Jersey. Uh, 
But the thing is, the medication, of uh, the opioid medication can last in the body for hours. Narcan, as mentioned earlier, only lasts anywhere between 60 at most 90 minutes. So the patient was sleepy, not arousable. You give them the Narcan, they wake up, they feel good, and they say, I want to leave. But the Narcan wears away, the opioid's still in the body for hours later, and then 60 minutes later or 90 minutes later, they stop breathing again and no one's around. And that's the, the big danger of this, uh, is once the patients come to the ER, you know, we give them Narcan, or actually they probably, hopefully they got Narcan by the people there around them. If not that, maybe EMS or first responder gave it to them. Uh, and if needed, we'll give them more in the emergency department. But I like to watch these patients in the ER for multiple hours uh, to know that, hey, the opioids worn away and they don't need recurrent doses. And you mentioned, you know, giving the Narcan and the fact that it only lasts for 60 to 90 minutes. Can you explain how Narcan is given these days for anyone who isn't aware? And, you know, I, how long, you know, you said it's instantaneous that they wake up. Is it truly that fast that they, they come out of their high? So there's a couple of different ways you can give Narcan. Uh, one is uh, uh, intranasal. So it's almost like a spray that you just put into your nose and uh, it's available in the pharmacies without a prescription. And, uh, you know, a lot of people who abuse opioids uh, will, it's advocated that they have this at home uh, and that the people who are around them know how to use it. Uh, another way is an injection. And you can give an injection a couple of different ways. One is just kind of putting it, stabbing it into, the, into a muscle and injecting it. And one would be require a medical personnel putting an IV uh, into a vein and then administering it directly into the IV. The IV formulation works the fastest. It's going directly into the bloodstream, uh, usually within about a minute to two minutes. Um, if you do it intranasal or intramuscular, uh, it's a little bit longer. It takes a, a few more minutes after that, but you know, within about like five to six minutes uh, using the other routes. Steve, uh, could you say, have you seen any additional psychological effects on those? Obviously, they've had some effects because they're using and abusing drugs, but once they've received Narcan, is there any additional changes that you've noticed? Well, not, not, uh, nothing long-term that, that I've really witnessed, but, I, I mean, you know, addiction itself is traumatizing, and, you know, we know that uh, that's why we have a lot of, uh, you know, trauma-informed therapy around for, for addicts, because if you're not, if your addiction isn't initially driven by some type of trauma uh, as a, you know, some adverse childhood trauma or something to that effect, um, being an addict alone is traumatizing. You know, having all the things go on in your life that uh, happen from addiction, uh, the things you may have to go out and do, the, the things you might have to uh, endure while you're out there are very traumatizing. So those effects can be, can be long-term. In 2018, New Jersey law enforcement and emergency medical services administered naloxone over 16,000 times according to the New Jersey Department of Law and Public Safety. And in a one-day naloxone giveaway, they gave away more than 32,000 doses to, you, uh, to New Jersey citizens, according to the New Jersey health officials. With so many people having this training and this access to what you guys are pretty much describing as a necessary tool to reverse an overdose, do we run into the unintended consequence of perhaps enabling addicts more so than saving lives? 
You know, I don't, I don't know that I would say enabling. I, I do think there is sometimes that you have that safety net, but, you know, if you're up on a high wire doing a high wire act, you, you know, you want to know something's there. But at the same time, I mean, there are a lot of people who believe that it's, it's overly used and it gives people that false sense and it drives the opioid epidemic. I, I know that that's one perspective. Um, the other perspective is, is do you let people die? Uh, in my opinion, no, <laughs> you don't. Um, should there be legislation and changes in policy uh, to that that kind of uh, pushes people, like if you've been reversed somehow, if, if let's say law enforcement got involved or um, the emergency, you had to go to the emergency room, should it be mandated that somebody go to treatment uh, from there. I mean, we're, we're on the right track. We're, we're moving in the right direction. We have navigators now in emergency rooms directing people towards treatment. That's all part of it. I think, you know, maybe we need to go a step further. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but I do know that I would never agree with the fact that we just let people die. 100% agree with him, right? I mean, it's a controversial topic and, and some people can make the argument that, Hey, you know what? Uh, why are you giving all this Narcan out? Why are you, uh, you know, it's just going to make people use it more, right? But we got to do step one. Step one is let's not have people die in our state, okay? So if it's Narcan giveaways, uh, you know, we're uh, a state which you can get Narcan in the pharmacist, in the pharmacy without a prescription. Uh, there's still states in the United States where you need a licensed prescriber to give you Narcan. Uh, so let's keep our patients in our state safe and increase the awareness that Narcan's available. Uh, if people are using, teach the people around them how to use Narcan, make it as accessible as possible. So I'm definitely in that camp, uh, to say, Hey, this is a safe medication. It saves lives. All right. Uh, now the next step is how do we decrease the total opioid usage in this country and especially in this state uh, and, and those who are using how do we get them you know treatment and, and rehabilitation uh, you know th there's still a lot of work that needs to be done on both ends one is prevention of utilization of, of legal utilization of opioids illegal utilization of opioids and then if you are addicted let's get you in the right treatment program but if you're overdosing I want everyone to have Narcan available to them 100% agree. I mean, and you could, you know, if you, you know, I think people should get trained in how to use it too, just to make sure you're doing it the right way. Uh, it's not very hard to use, but and not stabbing it in the heart. Yeah, you don't want to stab anybody in the heart. Um, that would definitely be the cure that, you know, was worse than the disease itself, probably. Um, but you know, you could go on New Jersey Department of uh, Human Services and look for and you know, there's locations on there where you can get trained in uh, how to deliver Narcan and even get free Narcan. Um, they give it out all the time now. And, and that day that they offered that free Narcan, I mean, there were people, farm people were getting upset at the pharmacies because people were in line for other stuff and they were just, I mean, there were lines out the door for the Narcan. So uh, it's, it, people are recognizing that it's a huge problem. Um, I know, you know, if I had a loved one that was using opioids right now, I'd want it around. Uh, you know, of course I would be encouraging that person in a lot of ways to get help, um, but, you know, you want to just be safe because sometimes people, can, they can fake you out. I mean, I'll tell you what, uh, addicts um, can learn what you want to hear, know what you want them to say. Um, 
you know, they, they know how to manipulate. It's not that they're bad people trying to get good. They're sick people trying to get well, but they, they know they, it's a survival skill for them, for them to keep using, they have to become good at manipulating. So they could fake their family members out for a period of time that they're sober and clean and doing the right thing. And they may not be. And I've had family members who have found their loved one uh, overdosed after they thought they were clean for, for a number of weeks or months. Uh, so it's really important to have it around. And I believe you mentioned, uh, Steve, but is there a limit to the amount of times that someone can be revived by Narcan? Or is it still just that they're able to use it as many times as needed? Yeah, uh, I can answer that question. I mean, you can give it as many times. Every time uh, you overdose, you can give Narcan. And, uh, you know, I've spoken to a lot of first responders, uh, EMS and uh, police officers. Uh, they'll go to a home, you know, two to three times, four times a day. Um, and uh, each time they give them the Narcan, they administer the Narcan, uh, then the patient refuses to come and be seen in the emergency department. And then three, four, five hours later, they'll get another call to the same home, uh, inject Narcan again. Um, and uh, you can give it multiple times. Uh, at the end, uh, I want that Narcan to be available for those patients. Uh, but at the same time, we got to get people to the ERs uh, so we can get get them help additional help that they need yeah you got to get them to the to the treatment process it can't just be like okay let's bring them back and and that's kind of what i was talking about earlier is there needs to be something else in place and we're on our on our way there with the navigators if you come in opioid overdose reversed by narcan i see you you're stable uh, a recovery specialist will also see you in conjunction with me so what that recovery specialist will do is talk to talk to the patient and offer that patient a rehab center to go to right on the spot. They'll take them straight from the ER, if the patient agrees to it, to a treatment center. Uh, sometimes patients agree to that, and they go, as long as they're medically stable uh, to be discharged, they'll be discharged, uh, and the recovery specialist will take them to the, re, uh, the center. Sometimes the patients will say, no, I don't want to go, but uh, I'm interested in your, your, the program. Uh, the recovery specialist or the navigator will get their patient's contact information, follow up with that patient the next day or the day after, and see how they're doing, maybe trying to guide them in you know, how to get additional help, maybe getting them into a center. Uh, so it's an incredible, incredible resource for patients who come to, to Bayshore and, and to many other ERs. Uh, and, and as we talked about earlier, Narcan is only step one. Yes, it saved the person's life but they need so much more treatment afterwards, okay? That can't be provided in the ER. They need the specialists of, you know, people at, at carrier clinic, outpatient services, uh, all along, it, it's, a, it's a process. And, and having the recovery specialists or the navigators in the ER to initiate that, huge benefit to our patients. Supposedly, a overdose happened to a passenger on a Delta Airlines flight, and it wasn't really publicized, and, and they haven't really said yes, the, the person overdosed, but it came to light because of a passenger who sent out a tweet that mentioned the overdose incident and begged Delta to start carrying a Narcan kit on every flight. Is there any other jobs or areas that you feel really should be trained and have this easily accessible, like these flight attendants? Well, that's interesting because I, I didn't even hear that. So, I mean, this is the first I'm hearing of that incident, but uh, it's, it's an interesting point. I, and I think any public mass transit uh, person who, who works in there, there should be access in their uh, medical kit 
and they should be trained in how to deliver uh, Narcan because it can happen anywhere. It doesn't just happen at home. When you see the little first aid kit, it should also contain Narcan uh, just because. It could be the difference between somebody living and somebody dying on a plane. That's really because you, you're not calling an ambulance. <laughs> that's really important. There's no ambulance coming up there. So you got you to gotta make sure you can take care of everything right there. And they are the first responders up there. Yeah, I totally agree here. Um, you know, you, over the years, you've seen so many AED kits in public places. Um, you know, Narcan in the overwhelming majority of states in the country are available, again, without a prescription. This is a safe, safe drug, okay? Uh, inadvertently giving Narcan to a person who doesn't have an opioid overdose will not cause any harm. None that I know of. Uh, so it's a safe medication. You know, EMS, when they approach a patient who has altered mental status or unresponsive, they give them three medications because they're so safe. One is just D50, which is a sugar in case your blood sugar is, is really low. They give them thiamine and they give them Narcan. Okay, those are three because they're safe medications and they can save lives. So uh, I agree with Delta that they should put Narcan on uh, their medical kits. Uh, I think all airlines probably should. Um, and uh, especially because it's a safe medication, easily administered, and it can save a life. Finally, you guys mentioned earlier about people getting trained. If someone, after listening to this, knowing how safe Narcan is, decides that they want to go, they want to get the Narcan, they want to have it in their house just in case, carry it with them in their pocketbook, whatever, how do they go about getting it and how do they get trained so that they're using it properly? I mean, there are a whole bunch of agencies that offer free trainings. All you got to do, you could probably Google it, to be honest with you. Where can I get free training for Narcan? Or, um, like I said earlier, go on New Jersey Department of uh, Human Services. They have links on their website to agencies that offer free trainings and, and locations for those free trainings. Um, you know, and I'm sure there's a number of other resources uh, that you can, uh, you know, call an addiction provider. Uh, you know, they, they might have some resources as well, but you know, I it, go to your pharmacy, your pharmacy could probably 100% yeah, the pharmacy, go, go, to your, go to your pharmacy, <laughs> yeah. right? Your local CVS, Walgreens. I don't want to, you know, no preference here, but whatever pharmacy <laughs> is closest to you, go there ask, speak to the pharmacist, say, I want Narcan, uh, you know, for my home, you do not need a physician's prescription for it. Um, and then they can guide you, even in the Narcan that you receive, our instructions uh, on how to utilize it. Uh, you know, there's thousands and hundreds of thousands of uh, patients with allergic reactions that they carry EpiPens with them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hundreds of thousands, about millions of patients who use intranasal sprays uh, and Narcan, either an intranasal spray or an injection to the uh, thigh. Uh, is no different or not much different than, you know, giving yourself a nasal spray or injecting yourself for um, uh, an allergic reaction with an EpiPen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you could, if you can use a nasal spray, you can use Narcan. It's really not, it's not rocket science. It's not hard to, it's not hard to learn how to use. But like I said, if you, you know, there, there's plenty of places that'll offer trainings. It's a two-step process uh, to, you know, sum it up. It's many steps, but step one is, A, save the life, okay? That's your first priority. Number one, get the Narcan, have Narcan at home, uh, in airplanes, you know, wherever you have a high-risk population uh, that you can have an opioid overdose. Uh, and then step two is if, once that life is saved, you can try to get them into a, a rehab program and help them along. 
But if you don't save them, you can't do step two. If someone dies, you can't, that's it. The game's over. It, it's, it's done. Um, you need to keep that person alive. Cause, and I'll tell you what, you know, not everybody makes it the first time. Not everybody gets recovery and gets well the first time. I've met many people that have been sober for a number of years who you hear their story and it took them five, six, seven, eight times before they got sober. Now, what if somebody would have let, you know, not had Narcan or not saved them or helped them, um, you know, and, and they, they weren't, wouldn't have been able to become the people they are today because they're wonderful people. Um, and that's the thing. we got to break the stigma as well. The stigma is that addicts are morally somehow compromised or uh, character flawed or, or whatever the case is. They're not bad people trying to get good. They're sick people trying to get well, and I can't say that enough. It's, it's an illness. It needs to be treated as one. Um, it needs to, you know, and, and, and I've seen many people get better. I've seen many people get sober. And the last thing I just want to say is if you're trying out there to, to, to get sober, keep trying. You can. There is hope after dope. Thank you, Steve and Dr. Prasad. I really appreciate you both taking the time to join us today. And thank you to our listeners out there for taking the time to listen to us today and learn the facts about Narcan. Thank you. Thank you. The material provided through this Health You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.